welcome to another episode of Trash, Trash or, or Treasure. Treasure, where Kim and Amy offer you spoiler-free recommendations and reviews of romance novels to help you find your next romantic read. This week, we are looking at Longbourn by someone who writes books. Oh my goodness, this is the one where I'm actually going to fail you. I've got to look <gasps> it up. Joe, I think her name is Joe. You think her name is Joe? That's horrendous. Joe Baker. I was good. I got half of it, 50%. So Longbourn by Joe Baker. This is a contemporary novel that looks at Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. The events of Pride and Prejudice. The events of it. But it is a reimagining in the sense that it is told from the perspective of the servants. Yeah. So it's been marketed as, if you enjoy Downton Abbey, this is the type of book for you. Nah. Well, is it? (laughs) We enjoyed Downton Abbey, but only the first two seasons. Yeah, after the end of the first Christmas special, I think. That's it. So, (laughs) Longbourn is told from the perspective predominantly of Sarah, who is the principal housemaid in the house Longbourn, which is occupied by Mr. and Mrs. Bennet, Jane, Elizabeth, and all the Bennet sisters. Sarah. She was has been there since she was a child. She was like a, what do they call them, a foundling. foundling. So she was an orphan and she was hired by essentially Mrs. Hill, who's the housekeeper and who is what, someone who's mentioned in Pride and Prejudice, one of the few servants who's mentioned by name. There's also an undermaid, like a scullery maid called Polly. Polly. Who's about 12 and likewise was a foundling. So Sarah and Polly are the maids and – Excitement happens when Mr. Bennett hires a footman and the footman comes with a sort of component of mystery. Mm, Partially because... He's hiding from something, that's for sure. That's the impression. What's he hiding from? Who knows? Why has he come to Longbourn? Because the household doesn't really necessarily need or can support a footman. And it was odd that Mr. Bennett hired him. So there's this like slight mystery about who is this guy mm. but it is as it follows sarah and her perspective it does develop into being a romance novel between as i'm sure you've picked up sarah and various members of the servants hall is that should i do i actually need to say do we need to know who the romance is because there's two people yeah, I know. I've read the book. You're looking at me like, hmm, do you want to know? Because this is where you're like, that's a spoiler, too much detail. Mm, no, or, I, I have think- so much like angst about my spoiler-free recaps. so funny. It's hilarious how much anxiety is exuding oh, on you right now. The judgment. Um, so, yeah, no, I think you can mention – I think you can mention that there's kind of – the like it's yeah, – it is a bit of a bait and switch. Well, there is a romance in Longbourn. Because <laughs> hence it's being reviewed on our Ro- romance. Well, podcast. we've reviewed some things that you've decided aren't romances. The novel follows like the impact that Mr. Bingley's arrival in the neighborhood with his own servants has on the Longbourn household. And we get to watch the events in Pride and Prejudice. So from the perspective of predominantly Sarah, so Jane and Bingley and their developing romance and the Elizabeth and Darcy narrative we get to watch. We also experience the arrival this of the militia the in the neighborhood. Worst of all of your summaries ever. Do you want to do it then? You Maybe. take over. All right. Are you ready? I'm going to do it. Do you want me really to start quick. from the beginning? No, it's fine. Here's what it is. Sarah has been at Longbourn her whole life. She was orphaned at a young age, and Mrs. Hill took her in. So essentially, 
footman arrives, that kind of shakes up the servant side of things. And we get to see it from like the shakeup of the household, interestingly, from the servant's perspective. Mm. You don't really need to know the plot points because they are the same plot points that exist in Pride and Prejudice. It continues beyond it, it. I was about to say that. It does extend a little bit past that. Mostly what this is about is Sarah's sense of purpose. Mm. She is purposeless. She feels like she is sitting there and can see all of her days just kind of spreading out ahead of her and all she's going to do is is serve someone else. If she's lucky, it'll be the Longbourn, the family of Longbourn, whoever that turns out to be. She's going to be washing all of other people's underwear for the rest of her life. And, and doing hard, hard labour that because she's reached that kind of early 20s where she's going this is it I'm, I'm an adult and this is my life forever now what does that even mean so she's actually starting to rebel against that as a lifestyle as an idea and looking at what her options are as a very lower class um you know member of the servantry and what her life could possibly look like and her lot in life As a part of that, one of the obvious outs for a woman in this era is marriage. So in the same way that the kind of that parallel sense that the Bennett sisters are looking for the same thing, Sarah starts to look around for the potential for there to be a man who can save her. She meets one guy, part of Mr... Bingley's Bingley's. household, who has all of these ideas, these amazing kind of, you know... See the world, See the world and open his own shop and blah, 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 blah. And so she's kind of very kind of potentially keen on him as a way out of her life. And she also gets close to and develops feelings for James, who is the footman who has entered the household as well. And that's kind of it. So then after that, I think anything beyond that. good thing I got sacked. Anything beyond that is a spoiler. But it's really about Sarah finding her place in the world. It's sort of like a coming of age in that sense, isn't it? And that idea of what would you do for love. That's, and that, I think, is at the heart of this novel. What would you do for love? Would you mm. give up safety and security? And there are so many examples throughout the book of older members of the servantry and what they've done for love or what they haven't done for love yeah. and different kinds of love and the idea of regrets and classism and stuff are all really prevalent throughout the novel. And I like it because I think a lot of that is often ignored or missing in Pride and Prejudice. Okay. So so it's that different perspective. Here's the segue then. Kimberly, would you recommend Longbourn? Um, Yeah, I would recommend it, I think. It's – it was all right. I didn't mind it. As far as, like, retellings go, it was – it did offer a different perspective. I certainly enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Pride and Prejudice, as Mm -hmm. we know I'm an Austinian hater. Yeah, but it's not written in Austin's language. No, it's not written in Austin's language. But what I will say was – so it's written in volumes um, and then chapters within the volumes. And I think – so I think it might be, like, maybe five volumes make up the book. I think you could have got it done in three. Mm. So I will say that there is a whole section that I was just like, ugh, we probably could have skipped this bit. Yeah, okay. And there's a lot of her just being angsty. And I'm like, oh, God, Sarah. And I get that idea of from from a kind of giving your audience an experience and taking us on an emotional journey. I get that idea that kind of you can leave us in that kind of waiting space with her and that sense that she's just angsty but she's also just trapped and her life is repetitive and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I was just kind of – I was like, I didn't need this much of it. So 
I it actually took me two goes to read it. So I got halfway through, kind of bailed, and in the end I swapped from an audiobook version. We know I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Long-time listeners will know. I actually had to swap from the audiobook version to a book book so I could skim a bit of it. I think that this is better as a book book. I think you need to skim bits it of it. It does. While it's not written in Jane Austen's language, it still has that sort of narrative density mm-hmm. that doesn't translate well to verbal no, because it's hard to fast forward it. That's it's got to sure. translate very well, I think, to screen. It's been there's oh, rumours of a, I can see it fitting within like this whole sort of yeah, not Bridgerton vibe, but like no. Sandition and Pride yes, and Prejudice. I get that. I liked. Look, I liked the narrative. I liked her character. Really enjoyed the final volume. Mm, so that's what I mean. Mm. Like it was great. I just wanted to pull two of them out of it and get there faster and condense it a little bit. Yeah. I felt like I really the first one set it up. There was one in the middle where you were like, yeah, that's great, and the love interest properly gets kind of solidified. Yeah. And then there was the final kind of act. So if you go kind of like one, three, and five were great volumes, volumes two and four I could do without. Okay. I enjoyed it. I felt it was quite long. Yeah. So I am appreciating your like volume concision because, yeah, I can can see some bits where I was like, okay. (laughs) All right. Now. Move along, move along, move along. There was some. Like, I am, as we've established in previous podcast episodes, I am a fan of Pride and Prejudice and of Austen. And from that perspective, I really enjoyed, like, I love where the gaps and silences in a novel get filled in. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I re- And I really enjoyed having, while we were on this journey with Sarah for her romance and you're buying into her happiness and wanting yeah. her happiness, watching... The upstairs. The upstairs that and how really cool. and how the events of the upstairs romance, which you had previously bought into and been really invested in and their which happiness. we are so familiar with. Yes, but the idea that that happiness was at least in part purchased at the cost of their happiness. So when above mm. stairs is having a big old party and being really excited about the ball, that's a real nuisance for downstairs. I liked that. Yeah. That, like, you know, in the in Pride and Prejudice, Lydia's like, a ball, a ball. And then in Longbourn, they're like, oh, oh God. God, a ball. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what it's going to be in labour. Yeah. Here's what it's going to be in added complexity. And oh, Miss Lydia's going to be so picky and who's going to cut straws to who's going to actually have to do her hair. Yeah, exactly. So that, like, the hidden world and the demands the of, door. like, and the demands of, like, oh, but we need this sort of decoration. So someone's got to trudge into Meryton to pick that up in the rain because that's just what you do. And Mrs. And- Bennett wants these things. And then Mrs. Bennett doesn't want these mm-hmm, things. Because and- she's really, you know, like off again, on again, off again with stuff. And yeah, I just, that kind of side of it, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I enjoyed how so often in Pride and Prejudice, Mrs. Bennett's going, Hill, Hill. Yeah. And then coming to know, like, Mrs. Hill's probably, I think, the secondary most significant character for sure. in the novel. Yeah, for sure. And she has a beautiful journey that she Yeah, and coming to know her as a person rather than just as someone who waltzes in and out was mm. really enjoyable. Yeah. So I, I loved that, like, the backstage that was beautiful and the re and i think also the recontextualization of things so you had to do that rejig of going oh yeah it's so easy in pride and prejudice to ignore all of the back labor that's going on to make this happen Mm. 
but yeah, that would have been really annoying or yeah, actually that is probably what would have happened after Elizabeth got married, but it's kind of condescending. And yeah, that's that kind of the idea that these people's lives are entirely tied to and dependent upon what the Bennets choose to or don't choose to do. And even though the Bennets, the Bennet sisters and Mrs. Bennet particularly talk a lot about, you know, well, when Mr. Collins is the one who's going to inherit, so we have to marry well before father dies because blah, blah, blah. That's a bigger deal for the downstairs population because depending on who Mr. Collins marries depends on whether or not he'll even keep them on. Yeah, whether they continue to have jobs or if they have to seek new employment. That part of it is really engrossing and very charming and and fun as well. Well, even though, even if you're not familiar with Pride and Prejudice, oh, it's more than well enough the explained. It's more than yeah. well enough explained for you to keep up. Like, but if you are familiar with Pride and Prejudice, there's all these little like moments in it where you're like, oh, that's when Lydia gets that stupid bonnet that she thinks yep. is so ugly, and the servants are like, oh god. The other thing that I really enjoyed is. It felt a lot more realistic and less fantastical. And partially, I think, is because all those unmentioned bits in Austin are about England was a country at war. Yep. Yep. And the military and that wartime state of the Napoleonic Wars becomes very relevant and important to the narrative. And not only that, but the whole purpose of Longbourn, I feel like, as a novel, is to be this very realistic an un you know no filter version of that time in history mm. so the militia are not represented while mr wickham at the end of long at the end of pride and prejudice is shown to be a bit of a so and so whatever the militia in general aren't dealt with as sinister or evil at all whereas the military and the idea of what went on at war and what war was like at that time in history is dealt with in a lot of ways, like in a yeah. lot of different components. Like we get to see some some of it is set actually at the war, some of it like so it's set in Spain, some of it is, you know, you're looking at what's going on in Meriton inside the inside the, the actual camp. The conflict has yeah. on the working people. How and also how the military are, how the militia actually are with their own men and what that looks like, what it actually looks like being a soldier. So, yeah, it was all... It was fascinating. Yeah, it was was fascinating. Really, really interesting. I I also liked Sarah. She was a bit, like, sassy and a bit bratty at times, but she felt, like, quite... She felt like a sort of angsty teenager. Yeah, but this was a coming-of-age story. Desperate to find her own way in the world. Yeah, it was and a, that's exactly what it was. And she was a bit naive and a bit... So she was very believable yeah. as a character. I really liked Polly. I liked the downstairs supporting cast. Yeah, of course. That was really pleasant. I just think, and I agree with you, that it is a bit long. I think it is. I think we'll have a five-episode miniseries. Uh, that's what I foresee happening. So, yeah, thank you very much. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Trash I keep or forgetting if it's trash or treasure. What is this podcast called? Sorry, sorry. Hey, Amy. This is because I'm doing knitting at the same time. I need to stop. I've also had to restart that row six times. I'm stopping. Okay. I need to be able to focus. Sorry, everybody. Amy, do yes. you think this is trash or treasure? I don't think it fits in the trash category. It's more treasure, but it's not something that I'd vehemently say is like, oh, absolutely a treasure. Yeah. Because when we talked about what trash actually is, it's just a quick disposable read. Mm. This is a rewarding delve 
into another layer of a familiar romance story, but it's not trashy. It's not quick. I'll read it again. Yeah, so I, I think, think that's, that's the. I think that's the, the treasure clincher. component. I don't know if I will ever read it again. At the moment, gun to my head, I would say no. I would say I probably don't yeah, need. Don't I never need to life. read it again. But I really enjoyed it, and I think it will stay with me. Yes, so in that so sense, it's a if treasure. I could have something between trash and treasure, it's definitely not a treasure for me. But maybe trash is not really a fitting category either. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a we'd recommend it. Yeah, I definitely have to recommend. Yeah. All right. Well, that was well worth the wait, and I'm glad we circled back around to remember to do trash or treasure. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Join us again next time where we will offer you another spoiler-free recommendation for your next romantic read. And until then, happy reading! Thanks for listening. And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.